Gentlemen, this is episode number 44 of the Three Ghosts, No Wait, Four Ghosts podcast, the Tom Canada edition of the podcast. Little offensive end throwback from the mid 2000s. Uh, Tom Canada, despite the name, was not Canadian. And speaking of not Canadians, uh, we have joining us on uh, the podcast for the second consecutive year is our good friend, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how are you doing this evening? Good. And with a name like that, could you have made an exception? I think so. I mean, I remember growing up, like, well, uh, at that time it would have been uh, late teens, probably, at the minimum. And uh, I remember seeing his name come up there at uh, the games at the old Canadian Stadium, and it's like, wow, that guy has a really good last name. Yeah, I, I, that was actually probably right around when I became a Bombers fan was when he was on the field with them. And actually, the the friend I made back, way back when, who's uh, still my best friend to this day, has a plaque of him up in his hallway. Uh, so he really enjoyed that as well. Well, that's really cool. I, I thought he was I always thought he was a great player. And uh, again, you know, uh, back in those days, uh, the. Uh, Blue Bombers were playing in the East with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, so unfortunately uh, didn't always have the greatest things to say about uh, those teams. But uh, you know things change when uh, Ottawa comes back into the league twice, <laughs> and uh, now uh, you know the the rivalry is gone. And uh, uh, when I go to Tim Hortons Field uh, to see Winnipeg play. Uh, really, there's not a lot of animosity in the stands at all, which is always nice to see. No, the only chirping I got back, I want to say it was four years ago now, when I went to go see the Bombers there, that was the day Drew really went down with a knee injury. It was a really rough day for Bombers fans because it was a 21 nothing game with about seven minutes to go in the first quarter. The only chirping I got was on my way out of the stadium. It's like, you've got a long way home, don't you? And it's like, yes, but not quite in the direction you think I'm going. <laughs> well, and, and that's fair. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> it's good to see there's uh, fans of the Blue Bombers from all over the world. So uh... <laughs> uh, we've no we the uh, UK has one that came down for Banjo Bowl and he was treated very well from my understanding. And actually just a couple days ago, I found out there's another one in my in the town I live in now. Really? Uh, she's a she's an expat. She's from Winnipeg, so she has an excuse where I don't. I just have uh, interesting tastes. Uh, but that was interesting to see. Uh, I called it Bomberville South uh, when I told the CFL where I was watching the game on Saturday night, and I had no idea. So <laughs> maybe it truly is. Maybe there's a couple others out there. Hopefully. 
Well, it, you never know. I mean, uh, look at uh, our friend uh, Rod Villagomez. Uh, you know, he's an Ottawa Red Blacks fan, and he lives in sunny Southern California. So you never know. Yeah, uh, we're out there. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's uh, talking about uh, being American as well, and this is kind of a question I'm, I'm gonna I've saved for you uh, on our podcast. So it's kind of funny how up here in Canada sometimes we we feel like the United things that happen in the United States kind of gets our attention, and it's funny because we see this in a lot of our actors, comedians, and musicians. Um, being in the United States and having the different types of uh, football options down there, uh, I know you've probably answered this a million times, but uh, what was it that really led you to the Canadian Football League as your uh, football league of choice? It started a long time ago. Uh, probably the easiest way to express it is in a short package instead of keeping you here all night <laughs> is I got hooked on the league a little bit when the US teams were around watched Baltimore uh, go to a couple great cups I'd, I'd adopted them about four or five weeks into the first season they were around in 94 not because I knew they were any good not because I knew of any of the players but it's like that's a good looking uniform combination I think this is my team <laughs> and that ten that actually worked out it worked out really really well uh then as the league faded from espn's tv presence because it was no longer in the states it was harder to keep up with it uh but i followed it online the internet was just starting to become more prevalent in our society around then so it was not exactly easy but i could go and just see how the players i had known were doing follow kind of follow how they were doing in montreal but i kind of lost uh touch with them the more players that were no longer uh the baltimore players i should say were starting to leave montreal i kind of lost interest in how the team was doing in and of itself but then probably right in that time frame i made a friend up in winnipeg uh, we did a lot of fantasy football stuff nfl cfl type things and uh he was the one that told me i needed to come up and see labor day and once i did that I was hooked for good, at least in the sense of I knew the league was around. I knew I liked it. It took another five years after I had stopped. I went to three straight Labor Days. Wow. Uh, but then I started to put together a life, got married the ne the year after the last Labor Day I went to, two <laughs> weeks before Labor Day. So that was out of the question. Yep. All of us, and then probably took me another five years to go back up. And by then, ESPN was starting to stream all the games. Okay. Which once I realized I could stream them, and once I realized I had the technology to make them not look horrible, because they were streaming some in the early part of this decade, but it was it wasn't guaranteed that you'd see your team. And it also putting it, taking it from the laptop to the TV was awful at that point. It, the technology wasn't quite there to, for, to make streaming as nice as it is now. But yeah. I would say about 2014, it finally clicked where not only did ESPN have all the games now, so they were either on TV or streaming through one service and all the games were there. 
and also the technology I caught up so that it didn't look horrible when I put the games on. So I went from watching three or four games a year to all of a sudden it was three or four games a week. Yeah. And off we go. <laughs> well, that's that's fantastic. Uh, you know, it's something that I've discovered as well with um, also being married. My uh, one of my the last Labor Day that uh, happened in Iverwind Stadium in Hamilton uh, was two weeks after I got married, and I still don't know how I pulled that one out. I think it was probably because it was the last Labor Day game, but uh, I was in attendance, and uh, uh, that was. One, even though we lost by a field goal against the Argos, uh, it was still a fantastic game. Uh, the Mayor Hamilton walked by us. Uh, Earl the Pearl Winfield was being uh, honored at halftime, and he was walking right past us. It was an unbelievable game. And uh, I think uh, Labor Day, as you were talking about uh, in that, um, you've been to quite a few out in Winnipeg. Uh, is there any other ones that you've been to yet, uh Joe? Yes. Okay. Actually, I am only three CFL cities away from Bingo. Hey. Uh, I have been to the last three Banjo Bowls. I decided Banjo Bowl was probably a better option than Labor Day, uh, simply because my team had a chance of winning. Yep. And I was surrounded by more people wearing the colors I was wearing than otherwise, but <laughs> I have to I have to pet Ryder fans in the back. They've always treated us well whenever we've gone out there, so I have no bad things to say about them uh i did like i mentioned did hamilton in 2015 uh bc in 2016 uh for regular season games and then started to do the banjo bowl but i've also seen gray cups in edmonton i uh, did of course the labor days in saskatchewan and i also saw a gray cup in toronto so i need calgary ottawa and montreal Calgary is on deck for about six or seven weeks from now. Okay. And we're talking about potentially seeing Montreal next summer, but we've had tentative plans to go to Calgary two different summers and those haven't panned out. So I'm not checking that box quite yet. <laughs> well, that's okay. It, ironically, uh, we've already done all of our Eastern conference uh, chats. And when it comes to the Western conference, the only city that I have been to is Calgary. I'm 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 hoping for a great great time. Uh, here's a funny thing about Calgary that has personal ties to me. They have a neighborhood named Eau Claire that was named after the place that they'd gotten their sawmill from. I grew up ten miles from where that sawmill was set up, so well, that's really it, cool. it's interesting to to be going to a Canadian city that's named a neighborhood after a place I grew up very near to. Wow, that's really cool. I hope you get your uh, camera ready there for that. I'm planning on it. I think we're even staying near that neighborhood, so cool. I, I should I should be able to check that box off too. Oh, that's really cool. Now I know before we hit record, I know we we got to talk a little bit about it. Um, your blue bombers. They are making me blue. Y- yes, they are. Yes, they are. Um, going into the season. Uh, what was your expectation level for the Blue Bombers? I was telling myself not to not to have expectations because they always disappoint me. <laughs> but and, and I've been a Bomber fan since 2005. That's when I bought the jersey. That's when I made it official. Once okay. I buy a jersey for a team, they're my team. Okay. 
So since 2005, they've taught me many, many times not to have expectations. <laughs> and the last couple of years, I was – I didn't have – high expectations i i got about what i expected but this year i had gray expectations and that's making me blue now because that's not likely to happen <laughs> yeah and again it, it's such a, a tough one uh you know as they as they say and, and this is we're gonna go with this <laughs> as they say in, in the canadian football league no lead is safe and uh also don't I know it. I was in <laughs> Toronto for the game that they blew the 20-point lead to, to the Argos. Thankfully, I was in my basement when they blew the lead to Montreal because <laughs> that would have been an even more devastating walk back to <laughs> wherever I was staying at that point. Now, I, I got to ask you, the, the, the Toronto one was hard enough, but I can only imagine, but when you were watching the, the Alouettes game, was your co-host from the Rouge, White, and Blue, Oz Davis, texting you at all during it? No, thankfully he oh. was kind enough not to be baking me the entire second half when I'm just like, we're not doing this again, are we? Yeah. No, we're no, no, we're not. No, we're, we are doing this, aren't we? Oh, yeah. It, it was interesting when we had our, our uh, Toronto Argonauts uh, chat with uh, Derek Wellsman. Uh, he was also at the game uh, with his son, and it was very interesting to talk to him because again, unfortunately the Argos of the nine teams unfortunately have the most attendance issues. And it was really interesting talking to him about how excited his son was at some of the different play calls on the field. And, and unfortunately how the Argos were able to, to come back. But um, yeah, that was a real tough one uh, for blue bombers fans. Uh, really like the, the biggest disappointment on the field is very something something similar to what happened with tiger cat fans in that uh, matt nichols goes down on the field um I, I know it was very different in winnipeg versus hamilton where in hamilton we did have a lot of people that were anti jeremiah masoli but in winnipeg it seemed like there was a pretty big split between strevler and uh nichols uh, why <laughs> Because I, I feel like there's a couple reasons behind why Streveler was so popular when he was the backup. Uh, first of all, he was the backup. Okay. That in and of itself, in the prairie, seems to grant you some sort of status as a, a favorite son. It's just the way it works. Okay. Because uh, there's always somebody better behind the starter, it feels like, at that position, at least in the fans' minds. Uh, not that they've always been incorrect on that, but it, to have that be the mindset 100% of the time is obviously not going to be correct every single time. The other reason is because he was an exciting player to watch. When they they would drop specific packages for him, uh, to Strevler, I should say, uh, to stay on the field after the second or third and one sneaks that he would gain four or five yards on, or even more if he was able to get to the outside. He, that's something he's very good at doing. But then they would keep him in for a few plays, and they would have plays designed to use his legs, use his mobility, and use the threat of his running to set up the pass which you can do in small packages, but once that becomes your entire offense, defenses can adapt. When you go with the quick um, 
with the quick make no substitutions and keep the other team's big set on the field. And you you can run that for a player too and take advantage of those mismatches. But you can't do that all game long. It took a few weeks for the league to catch on to what the Bombers offense was, but now they know to keep him in the pocket. Don't let him run. Don't let him hurt you with his legs. Once they've been able to do that, he hasn't been able to make them pay with his arm, and that's where things have gone south the past few weeks. Yeah, we definitely saw that here in Hamilton uh, when they played the Ticats uh, two weeks ago. Again, it was what it was, unfortunately. Um, is there? Do you feel like there's a little bit of a coaching issue in, in there, or is it just Strevler, they're asking him to do something he's not able to do? I think they've 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 found a way to squeeze what they can out of him and what his skill level is at this point. They were able to make it work beautifully at the banjo bowl, thankfully. Yeah. So that was a fun one to sit through. But you can't get what's not there. And I don't know if Strevler is ever going to be there if he can't make teams pay with his arm. Yeah, and it's true. Uh, there's there's so many second string quarterbacks that you know go in for short yardage, third and in inches, and and that's what their role is. And Strevler would be able to do that to a T. But if you're looking at carrying your team into the playoffs, it's going to be awfully hard to to do that when so many defenses have been able to figure out your schemes. Yeah, there's a, unfortunately when you're when there's limited options for the scheme, the scheme can can be only so creative exactly exactly um switching gears to something a little more positive i I guess um i uh did have an opportunity a few months ago at uh, one of my former jobs to meet uh johnny augustine's mom uh who had happened to be at the store that i was working at and she was getting pictures of her and her son in his blue bombers gear at uh BMO Field in Toronto from the previous seasons. So that was pretty cool. Um, what has uh, he, he's done quite well this season, uh, hasn't he? He has. Uh, when he when he had to carry the load for a few weeks when Andrew Harris was not around for reasons, for reasons. he was able to. He wasn't the same player as Andrew Harris is, but Andrew Harris is pretty special. Uh, but he was very. He was able to do what he was supposed to do out of the position, which is fantastic, especially considering he went through an entire CFL draft and nobody said, hey, you, we want you on our team. Exactly. But he was able to do uh, very well in two pressure pack games, both against the Riders, the back to back, Uh, even catching some balls out of the backfield. uh, He had the big long one. Uh, that pretty much put a bow on the banjo bowl and he was able to help be another option for Streveler when uh, the running game was still something that teams were letting the bombers do instead of coming down and trying to clamp it down and making Streveler throw. Uh, he hasn't seen much of the field lately because Harris has been back. I'd yeah. love to see him come in w- for a couple series here and there, but it doesn't seem like that's happening. It seems like they're, uh, seems like they're happy to keep Harris in there every, 
for every single play. Not that I could blame him for that, but uh, Augustine has shown he can come in and maybe keep Harris fresh later on in the season. Exactly, and, and it's tough to you know have a player who's not just a top Canadian contender, but possibly MOP in there and, and give someone else uh, time. But again, it, it's one of those things that uh, they're going to have to look in the off season and kind of see and adjust uh, as to what they want to do. Um, special teams, uh, we know in Hamilton quite well that uh, Justin Medlock is uh, still a pretty decent kicker and, and, a, and a good rock. Uh, really, there's not too much to talk about uh, with uh, the, the kicking and punting game there, is there? No, no, it's pretty it's pretty solid. Never hurts. <laughs> no, no complaints on my end. <laughs> well, that's good. Now, uh, really, I, I don't know where else to go with this conversation on the Blue Bombers. Uh, unfortunately, things happen, and uh, they, they've kind of fallen a little bit on hard times. But um, what, one thing I do want to talk about, getting completely out of football, and I, I, I bet you're going to laugh about this. You're a, a, I've heard you're a pretty big fan of Corner Gas. Yes. Have yes, you... I am. You think there's not a lot going on? Have you been able to watch the animated series yet? Not yet, but in about a week it is showing up here finally in the States. Well, that that's good, finally. Uh, when, when you were able to go up to Regina, did you go to uh, check out the set when it was still there? I have. I, I was not able to get to see the set. Uh, uh, I, the next time I go, though, I do want to go see the town. Yeah. But it's been about a decade since I have been to Regina, so I would think next year is the is with the Grey Cup being there would be my next likely opportunity. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, now with the show, um, were there any specific uh, episodes that you really found uh, to be uh, something that could only happen in Canada, or are most of it pretty relatable to where you live in Wisconsin? A lot of it could be pretty relatable. There, there's obviously uh, the jokes that you need to be either Canadian or have a grasp of Canadian culture to get. But there's not enough of those to be off-putting to somebody that hasn't had that kind of experience. Because actually a few of my uh, family members also like the show and they have – I don't believe any of them have been besides me. So – it, it's clue it's clearly something that having the knowledge helps but it's not necessary to enjoy the show well and i'm glad to hear that the uh, show and i'm glad they did bring it back in animated form because uh, it seems like a lot of uh not just in the states but in canada as well seem to be bringing back a lot of classic titles uh just because maybe hollywood just doesn't have any more good ideas anymore but um Really, the characters uh, that they created in there, um, any small town, you can see that just about anywhere that you travel in North America. Yeah, absolutely. You can see that type, that type of thing. Uh, you can also kind of feel the, you can feel through the show what the community must have been like. Because uh, I believe the show was written off of his stand-up act from when he was growing up. Uh, so it's 
more than likely flashes or maybe even some direct uh, comparisons to people that he knew growing up. Uh, so I'm sure that you could find that kind of person all over the all over North America. Oh, for sure. And uh, again, it, it's it was interesting too. Like there were, was some Saskatchewan Rough Riders written in there. You have to kind of have that a bit, but um, it is. Um, Again, it is amazing what uh, they were able to accomplish uh, with the few seasons that it was on. And uh, again, it didn't have to have the American, you know, thumbs up in order for it to be a thing, which was amazing. Right. Uh, I I believe it was the second year I went to Labor Day, though. I've been at they start people started asking me, have I seen this show? Have I seen the show? And I'm like, no, literally the day I get home from that. There's an advertisement for one of our Superstation networks, WGN, saying, "Hey, we got we got this show, Corner Gas, is coming next week." Hmm. I think I might have <laughs> to sit down and watch that. Yeah, and the rest is history. Yeah, that that's just the type of thing that's happened to me over the years when it comes to the CFL and Canada in general. Exactly. Things just seem to fall like right in my lap when it comes to that sort of thing. Exactly. And and that's one of the things. It, it's a very warm country. And, uh, you know, it, it's something that even though I know we're talking about Canadian football and, and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but it's just something I wanted to bring up uh, in this uh, conversation just to kind of lighten the mood a little bit. Um, uh, my next question, I, I've asked everybody this uh, that's been on the podcast so far Um I'm going to exclude all things Blue Bombers from this one. What, what, what has been one thing that you've liked so far this CFL season, and what's one thing you haven't liked about this CFL season? Okay. I'm totally not sucking up here either, but I'm <laughs> liking the fact that Hamilton has finally broken through um, and pushed past the 500 mark. Yes. Uh, they've been sitting right around 9 and 9, 10 and 8 for quite a while now they had that dip uh at the end of the ken austin era but last five years they've been right in that range of nine to ten wins and it's nice to see them finally breaking through what seemed to be a glass ceiling uh, i believe what is 12 wins the best they've done though? yeah we, are they we, are they looking for a franchise record at 13 yeah we've officially tied uh at 12 uh our mark and uh we go into this week as a bye week uh, the following week, uh, we'll be at home uh, to Ottawa, a uh, game which I'm still 50-50 I'm going to take my son to. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, well, <laughs> you've been following along this season. Uh, it's almost guaranteed win night, I think. <laughs> I would say if you, lo- if you lose that one, yeesh. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I wouldn't want to be on that team having to go into the locker room and talking to Coach uh, Orlando Stein <laughs> or... Oh, after that, but uh... no, and that's re- and it's really good to see that he was able to take uh, what was there, what June Jones had set up for him, and do so well for it because he's been a name that's been hovering around my CFL consciousness for for about as long as I've really paid close attention to the league, and it's really yeah. good that he finally got his chance and he's doing so well with it. Yeah. And uh, what, what's one thing you haven't liked uh, so far in the CFL season? Besides the obvious. Uh, <laughs> Besides the and, last and I'm three going weeks to, of Blue Bombers I'm, al- I'm also going to include the fact that the writers are in first place. Uh, oh, yeah, I'll uh, pass on that, too. I mean, they've 
to be fair, they've earned it and they've played uh, they've played on a very even keel. The riders, I don't think, stand out above above the rest but they've been more consistent than everybody else and that's all they've needed to do since they were able to get themselves back on their feet after july uh so that they deserve a lot of credit for that i really didn't like making that last statement but the other (laughs) thing i didn't like and i'm kidding uh, they did they do deserve the kudos the other thing i really haven't liked though is how Toronto has come out this year. Okay. I expected Ottawa to take a dip with everything they lost. Yeah. I don't know if I thought it was going to be this bad, but I thought Toronto had a little bit more to show than what they've shown so far. And I am very surprised that uh, Chamberlain and Pop honestly both have jobs at this moment after what they after what they didn't do on Saturday night. Well, I'm going to see your praise on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, and I will uh, raise you giving – well, I can't give this team praise. <laughs> Who am I kidding? The Argos are god-awful. But uh, the, the one thing that I looked at in the off season was I said, okay, well, they don't really have a, a great quarterback here at all. Uh, maybe McLeod Bethel Thompson will come in and hopefully do something – uh, they had a lot of good pieces there. They just had to get them all together. And, again, you could see midway through the season that they were starting to do something, and just all of a sudden it, it's just fallen through. And as you were saying, really the the Argos, I don't know, like they, they, need, to, they need to be good because, unfortunately, in a nine-team league, they are – the weakest link in the league and uh in order to get people to come back to the stadium you have to have an exciting product on the field or at least a product that's trying yeah and it's too bad because uh, when i was there uh, there weren't a ton of people there but you could feel the atmosphere was just ready to ready to they were ready to be happy they were ready to cheer they were ready to make a lot of noise and they did when they had something to cheer for if they could get if they can get something to cheer for back on that field, hopefully we're we stop talking about empty seats. Exactly, and the the thing you can't ignore with this team as well is it is Canada's most populated city. You can't tell me that they couldn't at least get twenty thousand people out of a population of a couple million to to go to the stadium to watch a game. Well, you got to give them a reason to go too, though. True that. I even even the even the even the Ricky Ray era, they were never really a dominant team. They won a few Grey Cups, but they were never that team that you go. They are the class of the league. We need to go see them because they're that good. They took advantage of some situations and got and played well in a couple Novembers. But there was never a time I sat here and went, that's the best team or that's the second best team in this league. Well, and, and now I could take off my, my praising Argonauts hat and tell you that that's exactly what how Argonauts football is. <laughs> they get the Argo bounces. They, they just get lucky and they're at the right point. But again, you can't fault them. They're getting championships. It's just uh, <laughs> it'd be nice to see something a little more exciting. Yeah, I also haven't said those words about the Blue Bombers either until this year. <laughs> true, true. 
But uh, getting back to the, the Saskatchewan thing, j- just uh, really quickly, just to, to tag on that, um, one of the things that I've looked at as a positive thing this year has been the rise of uh, of Cody uh, Fajardo there as their quarterback, and really, it, it's it's when I started out uh, with the Eastern Conference uh, folks, a lot of people said that one of the biggest down uh, sides of this season has been the starting quarterbacks going down. But on the on the flip side, it's also presented an interesting uh, time with seeing these backups emerge. And you know, you see Dane Evans in uh, Hamilton, uh, Vernon Adams technically in Montreal, and. Uh, then you see this uh, Cody Fajardo who came out of nowhere and you know he's looking long term like he's going to be the quarterback in Regina yeah he had given me nothing to go he nothing there was nothing I have had ever seen out of him that made me go okay the writers are in good hands if Claros goes down never had that thought cross my mind but he's shown that they were that's more power to him yeah, exactly. Um, another thing that has been tough to watch this year as well has been um, the situation in BC with the Lions. Now, uh, it, it's it looks a little better right now as of this moment, but is this a team that do you think is going to catch Edmonton to get that crossover to the east? I don't know if they do that, but the mere fact we're sitting here talking about it just shows... Uh, how talented the BC team is and how much pride they still have. It's the exact opposite of what we're seeing out of Toronto. Yeah. Uh, they had the really rocky start. And something I always seem to underrate is how well coaching staffs are going to help the talent. It's something that you always see people go, well, Calgary lost this many people. They're going to drop in the standings. Well, maybe not because the coaches always seem to get the best out of their players. I did see trouble on the horizon for BC. I didn't see this much trouble uh, because of the young coaching staff they had. Uh, And I would say Toronto too was in the same boat where they had a coaching staff that isn't getting enough out of their players. It feels like BC may have turned the corner. Maybe this year was a great learning experience for the coaching staff, and maybe they'll be able to weed out a few coaches that just don't have the ability to coach at this level. Uh, But I would say the last month gave them something to build on for next year. Oh, for sure. And, Again, I, I, I three weeks ago, if you told me BC was going to challenge Edmonton, I would have said you were crazy. But again, any any anything can happen in the CFL, especially this uh, this point in the season. Absolutely, uh, and I feel like Edmonton, which since we're bringing them up, is also another team that I feel like has more talent than their than their record shows. Uh, it feels like they've not gotten everything they could get out of their players this year. Uh, even with Trevor Harris at the helm, they were always, always, always settling for field goals when they needed touchdowns. Do you think? Do you feel that Trevor Harris is on the hot seat in Edmonton right now? Mm, don't know about that. He is so good, and particularly in between the twenties, though. Yeah. Once they're in the red zone, and this is a problem that was in Ottawa last year too. Yeah. Where 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 he and Greg Ellingson were last year too. 
just not being able to finish the job. I yeah. don't know if that's coincidence. I, given that they had the same struggles in Ottawa last year that they are having in Edmonton this year, two different situations, obviously, but it feels like we're getting the same results. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And now that he's gone, you can really tell how much he was he meant to that team. Yeah, Logan Kilgore doesn't really seem to. Again, we've watched him. Uh, for two games against Hamilton, and uh, I don't know. At, at times, I was thinking, you know, okay, this might be a good thing for this Eskimos team. But as you were saying, at the end of the day, it's it's not a good thing. They need him back. No, ask both Edmonton and Ottawa fans right now. I did bring up the fact that some it seems like he has trouble closing the deal. But I bet you both fan bases would be going, yeah, we'll take him back right now. Yeah. So we will. <laughs> but but are, are, are Ottawa waiting for Nick Arbuckle to become available? Uh, Arbuckle, uh, they might have been waiting for Streveler until he showed what he couldn't do. <laughs> <laughs> they are going to get a quarterback in the offseason. Otherwise, I'm sure they're going to run their GM out of town on the rail. Well, <laughs> and again, i got to watch my Tiger Cat hat here, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we we know all well uh, all about uh, Mr. Desjardins Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, I uh, yep. Uh, I'm sure you're sitting there going, "Yep, that's what we expected." Pretty much. I I still have my. And then yellow. you look up. They have a great great cup uh, great cup on the shelf and go, "Why couldn't that have been us?" <laughs> well, again, I'm a Tiger Cats fan. You're a Blue Bombers fan. You know what that's all about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, about halfway through, uh, I'm about halfway to what the rest of the fan base is as far as the drought goes. So I feel like I'm earning my stripes a little bit now. <laughs> well, and, and again, it's it's amazing seeing uh, you coming up to Toronto this season for the uh, the game in Toronto, uh, going up to Banjo Bowl again, and then going up to Calgary for uh, the game for the uh, the biggest game of the year, the Grey Cup. Uh, you know, it, it's amazing to see. Uh, someone like yourself coming up to Canada to, uh, you know, cheer on the league like this. And, and they still don't believe me half the time at the border, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, I can believe it. I can believe it. Yeah, I can believe it. So, uh, Joe, we really appreciate you for coming on the podcast, but uh, we've been doing this with everyone uh, that's been on uh, the podcast over the last few weeks, and uh, we're going to play a quick game with you. So I'm going to assume growing up you never watched the cbc no no it was a little bit outside of our antenna range well that, that hey that's fair i mean there's uh you know we're, we're super close to the u.s border here and uh you know we got a lot of interesting shows over the years from the states but i know a few people in niagara falls buffalo area they, they can get the cbc and it, it's not it's it's it is what it is but um uh there was a show called on the road again and uh it featured uh, the uh, the presenter was uh, someone who was a pilot, and he'd fly all over Canada and talk to people and got got to know what uh, was going on. So this is kind of my uh, segment I like to have on the podcast, uh, learning a little bit more about uh, where the people on the podcast are from. <laughs> Uh, 
you are our second American after Mr. Villa Gomez. So you are in the state of Wisconsin. Now you recent you fairly recently moved, Joe? Uh, let's see. It's been about 10 years now where I moved three hours to the southeast from, I grew up 90 minutes east of the Twin Cities in Minnesota on the Wisconsin side, but now I am a hop, skip, and a jump from the state capitol in Madison. Okay. Um, I think I shared this the last time. My, uh, cousin, uh, he's, uh, his mother, uh, lived in Arizona, but, he was born in uh, near Chicago, and uh, him and his ex-wife, uh, she was originally from Madison, and they moved back to Madison. Uh, they've since divorced, but he still lives there, and uh, kind of, it, it's an interesting area. He loves living there, um, even though his mom lives in sunny uh, Arizona. <laughs> Which city uh, do you live in in Wisconsin? It's a, a little town outside of Madison called Wanakee. It's about 13,000 people. A very, very bedroom community type thing. Not a lot in town, but we're only 20 minutes from either side of Madison uh, on a rough traffic day. So uh, <laughs> lots of lots of choices as far as um, shopping, restaurants, what have you. Not too far away, but also not in our little downtown either. Okay. Well, that's starting to grow a little bit. Hey, that's always a good thing. Um, so the first question I have for you, uh, where is your town located geographically within Wisconsin? Uh, it is just north of Madison, which is about an hour north of the Illinois border and an hour west from Milwaukee. Okay. And you were saying the population is around 13,000? Yeah, in, in my little town, yeah, in Madison, it's, Madison is actually very close to, if you got, if you got Canadian listeners, probably about the size of Regina, right okay. around 250, 300, depending on which uh, suburbs you want to take into account, which ones you feel like are outside of it, what have you, but it's, it's about, yeah, I would say th- uh, 300K is a good estimate, maybe a little more, a little less. Okay. Now, in your town, uh, are there any post-secondary institutions? No, but <laughs> it's not like we're all that far from the big one True. <laughs> in the state. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> what is your town most known for on an international stage? Uh, the... What... what we say on the sign outside of town is that it's the only Wanakee in the world. Okay, well that that that's what your town is certainly known for. <laughs> it, it's a much uh, easier question than uh, uh, we had Cliffy D. Pine on the last uh, episode, and it's uh, very tough when you're talking about the city of Montreal. It's very broad. <laughs> yeah, there could be a lot of answers there that might have to go on the uh, after dark version of your podcast. <laughs> I, I have been down Rue Saint Catherine, so I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Oh, um, okay. This uh, question number five is going to make you a little sad, Joe. I, I apologize in advance. Uh, how many Tim Hortons are in your town? Zero. We do have a Dunkin' Donuts, and that does suffice as a uh, as a uh, substitute. We'll call it. Yeah, I, I can say that. I like to go there when I'm in the states, and uh, I can tell you this. I asked uh, Cliffy D that question as well. How many? Dunkin' Donuts are in Montreal because they used to have quite a few 
Uh, the French didn't really seem to take too kindly to Le Tim Hortons, but uh, he has informed me that uh, basically all of the Dunkin' Donuts are, are gone from his area in Montreal. Yeah, yeah, we don't have the Tim Hortons going uh, down here. Uh, I believe there's some in Michigan. There used to be some in Minneapolis, I believe. But I don't think they're there anymore. But our town just did open within the last week or so a Boston's Pizza. Oh, yeah. yeah that was something I saw on your Twitter feed. Um, that is, did, what was your thoughts on Boston Pizza? Uh, it was very good. Uh, very. It was very good. This one we went to is very clean, obviously. It's brand literally new. brand new. Yeah. Uh, but I have enjoyed it a few times in Winnipeg, too. And I would say the pizza is comparable between the two. So. Oh, very good. Very good. Uh, so it sounds like we've done it right down here. Hey, I'm glad to hear that. A uh, little piece of Canadianity in Wisconsin. And believe me, it's not like I don't search them out. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but then when you plop when you plop one uh, within a mile of me, it's not it's basically a beacon. <laughs> well, you know what I gotta do? I gotta do an episode of this podcast where I, I just critique different towns in Ontario and their Tim Hortons. I don't know if anybody would listen to it, but you never know. <laughs> ah. So the next question, Joe, uh, which food dish is a staple in your town? Uh, gotta, gotta, gotta go with cheese curds. Perfect. Hey, and you know what? It is unbelievable how many connections to Canada you have, sir. <laughs> all I need is fries and gravy, and I'm all set. Exactly. But I have to warn you, if you ever do come to my area for any reason, don't order poutine off of our menus. We have Our restaurants have no idea how to make them. Really? None whatsoever. Interesting. So if you want, if you want that, come to my house. I'll okay. Make it. Okay. <laughs> um, interesting. I, I was at Costco a couple of days ago, and this this may uh, some people might take away my uh, Canadian uh, passport, but um, I, I really feel that the Costco poutine that they serve there, or sorry, sorry, Cliffy D, poutine uh, that uh, they serve at Costco is actually quite good. Yeah. Um. It, what, does it have the cheese curds? Does it have the fries? Does it have a great, the all, gravy? All of it. I, I find that then you're then you're all set. I mean, yeah, yeah. I I feel like they're they're really generous with the cheese curds, and I feel like uh, the gravy, even though they kind of skimp on it a bit, it, it has a good kick to it. I don't know. There you go. Yeah, and that's just one thing we don't do here is slather our fries with gravy. It's not a normal thing for us. Yeah. We do slather them with ketchup, however. So I think. Uh, we would fit in as a province just based off of that. Yeah. You guys love your ketchup too, I'm sure. Oh, we did. we're not too, too far from uh, the ketchup ca- capital of Canada here. Uh, <laughs> Leamington, Ontario, that's uh, major ketchup <laughs> over there. <laughs> well, that would go great with our National Mustard Museum down the road in uh, Middleton, which is in between here and Madison. So oh, that's a thing, get, those, eh? get, those, get those two towns together twin them up and we're all set <laughs> oh. um outside of fast food uh which dining establishment is a fixture in your town we've had some of the local places go away recently unfortunately oh. um a fixture for wisconsin in general i would have to say and it's a it's a half a step beyond fast food uh it's a place called culver's it's basically Dairy Queen, but Wisconsin type. Okay. 
Uh, it's very much, it's very much butter and dairy on everything, custard instead of ice cream. Uh, very, very artery clogging, but very, very good. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. I, I've been, uh, I've been getting my blood work done, and it says I'm pretty healthy. So I guess I could probably hit that up. <laughs> uh, question number eight: uh, Which celebrity has come from your town? Gosh, from here? I <laughs> uh, can. Yeah, I don't honestly know. Okay. I, didn't, I didn't grow up here, so I don't really have a, a feel on who's come from here as much as I do from where I grew up. Um, if I could cheat a little bit, I could tell you that our that the town I grew up in was mentioned in Titanic. Oh. Uh, it was also mentioned incorrectly because they talked about a lake that didn't exist uh, until about six years after the Titanic sank. Oh, Not geez. that I'm bitter or anything. <laughs> well, you know, you got to have your fact checks done, right? Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, that's, but that's that's about as close to uh, celebrities and rubbing with Hollywood as I get. <laughs> well, that that's okay. I've I've met a few over the years and. Uh, the only one that I was able to, uh, I, I, I don't really pick out celebrities that often, but uh, well, I kind of picked out Rick Mercer once. That was kind of cool. Huh. Uh, number nine, does your town have a water tower? And if so, what is the best graffiti to have ever been spray painted on it? Uh, no grade 86 for us, as far as I can tell. <laughs> uh, we do have, actually, I could walk to one. And there's also one in the center of town that's the old one. Then there's also one in the park. Yeah, there's a couple of them. Uh, but I have not seen any graffiti because those things are pretty freaking tall. Okay. Well, you never know. There could be some young daredevil that decides to protect his sister's <laughs> honor. And hopefully it's not my little guy. Well, oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Luckily for us, our water tower is on the opposite side of town, so I uh, don't have to worry about that, <laughs> to the best of my knowledge. <laughs> and uh, finally, Joe, um, if you were to visit your town, what is the first thing that you would recommend to someone who is visiting? Someone who is visiting my town, what would I tell them to do? And I don't want to be flip about it, but really, <laughs> keep keep going a little bit. Your medicine's almost there. Yeah. There's there's not a lot of touristy attractions in my town because it's right outside of something a lot larger. Yeah. Uh, there is, gosh, no, it's very much a place to grow up in. It's really not a place to come visit. Okay, that, that's fair. That's fair. Um, it, it's interesting because, like, in our area, you know, you kind of start to think about stuff and it's like there, there's not really a ton to do in my town um i'll, I'll admit I, I think one of the answers I, I i was really intrigued by your mustard museum idea yep that's in the next town to the southwest so that's right there and that's in a nice little downtown area with a nice diner in that area too uh it's basically middleton is just blended into madison you the only way you can tell you're in one or the other is what the street signs say. Okay. So, well, that's fair. That's, that's good. Uh, yeah, and I guess the the other thing is, if you're in my town and looking for something to do close by, 
We do also have the Wisconsin Dells area, which is about 45 minutes to the north. Either nature trails or water parks. Pick your poison. There's a lot to do there. Well, that's good. I know for myself, um, nature trails is, is a nice thing. Get out to nature and enjoy it. I say that because my uh, husky Nicola has just walked over and she's reminded me that it's uh, <laughs> she'd like to go for a walk right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Well, Joe, we really thank you for coming on the podcast again. Um, before I let you go, uh, I, I talked with everybody else about uh, the Grey Cup halftime performance, and luckily you're going to be going this year. So it looks like Keith Urban is going to be the halftime uh, show. Uh, was there anyone that you were kind of hoping was going to be the halftime show, or were you just kind of going to let the CFL do their thing? They've done a fantastic job ever since I've been going to Grey Cups. This will be my fifth, and it's always been people that I've recognized and are top stars. I have no complaints whatsoever. They're always get they're always going and finding uh, a lot of talent out there. Yeah, it, it's um, when Tim Hortons Field opened. Uh, Keith Urban was the uh, act that they decided to open as the first concert at Tim Hortons Field, and. For myself, I kind of scratched my head, but as I've been noticing with everybody that I've talked to, even though I'm in, I'm only 34, um, for some reason I'm no longer considered the age demographic that they're going for, so I guess it doesn't overly matter who I want to be the halftime show, but uh, I guess the biggest thing is uh, what happens during the game, and uh, again, hopefully everybody has a good time in uh, Calgary in a few weeks. Yeah, I sure, I, I'm sure I'm going to have a great time, uh, regardless of which teams are there. Because if I was, uh, if I, if I based what a good time it was based off of the teams that were there, I'd be sad most of the time. I'm sure. Well, that's true. I know that if I was in uh, BC a few years ago, uh, when Brandon Banks ran that touchdown back for the win, and then it was called back, I would, uh, I'd be pretty sad. I remember being at home, but, uh, yeah, we're not going to talk about that uh, anyways. <laughs> uh, I'll let you move on. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> um, is there any uh, music that you'd like to end the show with, Joe? Anything that kind of jumps out at you? Oh, man, I wish I'd uh... Wish I'd have known that was coming. Uh, <laughs> throw something, th- throw the hip in there, and I'll be good. Sounds good to me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, again, huge thanks uh, to Joe Pritchard for coming back on. Joe, can you tell the people where to find you on social media? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at USFL Tecmo, T-E-C-M-O. And you can also find the Rouge, White, and Blue podcast at RWB Podcast. There you go. It's it's really fantastic, and uh, I know – I talked a bit, quite a bit about it with the other uh, folks we've had on the podcast. Um, it, it's a really good podcast. Uh, you can really tell that both Oz and uh, Joe are very passionate about the Kane Football League. And they, they talk about the whole league, not just one team. So if you haven't quite gotten to the point where you're like, I'm going to settle on the Montreal Alouettes as my team, it, it's a really good way just to kind of get your CFL fill. Yes, and we're very, very thankful that we don't focus on our own teams because half the episodes just be us sitting there going, 
Ah, crap. (laughs) (laughs) Well, exactly, exactly. Um, All right, so uh, to find our podcast, uh, we are on Twitter at 3ghosts underscore 4ghosts. We are on SoundCloud, iTunes. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. And we're on Google Play Music. And, uh, again, once you're done listening to this one, head on over to the Rouge, White, and Blue podcast. So we're going to end this one with some Tragically Hip. Um, I think we're going to do my music at work. Does that sound good, Joe? That will do, because I'm sure you're listening at work. Potentially. (laughs) Or on the way to or from. There you go. All right, Joe. Thanks again. (laughs) 